The Zone. Here's a crew perfectly comfortable using Baylor twine as a belt. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Welcome and happy Thursday. I'm Charity Seebecker. Happy to be with you this morning. Today will be sunny with a high of 75. Tomorrow will be mostly sunny with a high of 77. And on Saturday, it'll be a mix of sunshine and clouds and 85 degrees. Stu Muck, our ag meteorologist, has more weather details coming your way a little later. We also hear from bison producer Pat Reese about the ins and outs of bison production in Wisconsin and what goes into raising bison. Bob Knack, big game specialist with the Department of Natural Resources, explains how things were during the pandemic, hunting trends, and how to truly enjoy the outdoors. Kathleen Wolfley, agriculture broker with EverEgg, will join us later as well. These are all things you don't want to miss. Stick around. Get ready for the event of the season, the Lamenas Custom Farms Equipment Auction. It's time to mark your calendars because this online auction is happening from August 16th to August 23rd, and you won't want to miss it. The Lamenas family is downsizing their custom harvest and application business, and they're offering a remarkable selection of single-owner, meticulously cared-for equipment. That's right, folks. These hard-to-find items are all field-ready and waiting for their next adventure. Head on over to steffesgroup.com, your one-stop destination for all things agriculture. That's S-T-E-F-F-E-S-Group.com. Bison once roamed across the state of Wisconsin in large herds. Today, there are no wild bison in the state of Wisconsin, and domestic bison far outnumber wild bison across the country. Coming to you from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Nate Zimdars. Did you know that Wisconsin is number seven in the nation for domestic bison production? That was just one fact I found out from Pat Reese. He is the owner of Reese's Tall Grass, where he raises close to 100 bison in Fond du Lac County. Reese is also a member of the Wisconsin Bison Producers Association, and he has a wealth of knowledge on bison and the state of bison within Wisconsin. Can you tell me the number of bison ranches that are currently in Wisconsin? In Wisconsin, uh, according to the uh, 2017 census, there are about 71 farms with about uh, 5,900 animals. And do you believe just from your time being involved with bison that the number of ranches and the number of bison in our state are continuing to grow? I'm going to say it's relatively static. You know, we do have new producers coming into the state and raising bison, but we also have some older producers that, just like any other farm operation, because of their age, they, they get out of the business. So I'd say it's static. I think there's a lot of interest in pe- with people raising bison, but getting into farming now, Nowadays, it's not as easy as it used to be, I think, just primarily just because of the land costs. And can you tell me, how does Wisconsin compare to other states in terms of those numbers of ranches, of bison? According to the uh, National Bison Association, which covers both the United States and Canada, there are about 360,000 bison in in North America, of which about 230,000 are in the United States. You know, Wisconsin, uh, I went through, the, again, with the 2017 census, which is the latest one that we have. Wisconsin is ranks about number seven in the country as far as the number of animals uh, in, the, in the state. Is the number of domestic bison more than the number of wild bison in our country today? The bison on U.S. ranches in 2017 was around 184,000 animals. The bison that are on federal lands was around 9,800 animals. And bison in state and other public herds is around 9,000. And then there's an estimate for additional animals in public herds of around 3,000. So I would say that the majority of the animals, again, are, are managed by individual ranchers. 
Now, you've been active and involved with the Wisconsin Bison Producers Association. Can you share what the Wisconsin Bison Producers Association does for members within the state of Wisconsin? The association is a place where the members can, it's kind of like a clearinghouse, people share ideas. We have an annual conference where we try and bring in people from different sectors of the livestock business to talk about issues that are specific to livestock and, and again, even more specific to, to bison. So, we, you know, we do some education on an annual basis. The association provides a place for people to gather and, and to talk about similar needs and experiences, and that's probably where a lot of the information is exchanged, is people having certain experiences with their animals and wanting to know who else has had that same type of experience, and if it's a problem, how do they solve it? Bison is a pretty unique specialty animal, and you said that there were only 71 farms within the state of Wisconsin that have bison. Is every single farm that raises bison in the state a part of the association, or are there some individuals that aren't yet? According to the Wisconsin Bison Producers Association website, we have about 40 members that are listed on the website as being members of the Wisconsin Bison Producers Association. So there are some bison producers in the state that aren't members. The uh, Minnesota Bison Association is our neighbor, and they have uh, they have an association. So there's several people in the western part of the state that have chosen to belong to that association versus the Wisconsin Association. But we share ideas. People from our state go to their conferences. People from Minnesota go to our conferences. So there's quite a bit of sharing of ideas and things like that as far as the association is concerned. You said you had roughly 100 animals right now. Is that what you would consider an average size for a bison herd in Wisconsin, or is that large, small? The size of your herd is based on the size of the property that you own and how many acres you have fenced in. In, in our area here in Mount Calvary, we have a carrying capacity of about one animal per acre. We can carry up 100 animals very comfortably here without depleting our pastures too quickly, and we have the capacity to make our own hay on, on some of our ground as well. Some bison producers in the state might only have 80 acres of land, so they're going to be limited to uh, that limitation, and it's also going to be based on the carrying capacity of geographic area that they're in. Some parts of the state, such as the Central Sands region and perhaps even the, the Driftless area, they might have a carrying capacity that is a little bit less than what ours is. They might they might need two or three acres per head because of the soil conditions and things like that. So what's the average size? I'm going to say probably in Wisconsin, I'm guessing there's probably 40 animals is probably the average size of a herd in Wisconsin. Some of the producers that aren't members, I'm aware of that they might have several hundred animals in their herd. I don't know about the Oneida. I know the Oneida near Green Bay, they have a herd, and I think they might have like uh, 150 or 180 animals. It varies. And again, it's all based on how much land you own. What are a few of the most significant challenges that face anybody in raising bison? And how does raising bison differ from, say, raising standard beef? Raising bison versus right raising beef, I kind of look at it as even though someone might come and look at our handling facility where, where, we, where we work our animals to catch them and tag them so that we can uh, load them into a trailer and take them to a plant for harvest, they might look a little bit more substantial but uh, than a, a normal cattle operation. But I kind of think that taking away the land costs, bison 
is, I think, is probably less expensive to raise or is cheaper to raise than, than beef because we don't need any buildings for our animals. Our animals are out on, on the range all the time. They don't see the inside of a building or or even d desire to seek the inside of a building. So, you know, you don't have a building cost there. You, you have fencing and you got land costs. So that's the cost that you have. And then, the, again, when you get down to the handling facility for what you need for cattle as well as what you need for bison, Ours is probably a little bit more substantial, but uh, not to a great extent. I think it's um, it's a business to uh, to consider if you're looking into getting into livestock. And what would you tell someone who is interested in starting their own bison herd? Number one is to probably talk to as many bison producers as you can. The word of caution there is is, you're, is the number of bison producers that you talk to, you're going to get that many different opinions on how to do it. But there there is, a, again, the, the land costs are always going to be the most prohibitive thing for the bison producer to get into or would-be producer to get into. But I think that hurdle is there for even the beef producers or any, any other one, anyone that's considering agriculture as a business for themselves. You always have to figure that out. I've been doing this for... Um, close to 30 years, I think, it's a pretty easy job. In fall, the biggest amount of work that I have is catching some animals and sorting them to pick the ones out that are going to go to the slaughter plant in fall. And then there might be some ear tagging that I do some, when they lose an ear tag, you might, on some of the cows, you might need to ear tag some animals. Other than that, they're out on pasture all year round. I, you know, open gates and closed gates, and that's, that's a five-minute job. This time of year, I'm checking calves, animals. You don't need to help the animal when they calve. The, the cows have the calves on their own. Calf is up and moving around in a, about 15, 20 minutes, and it's moving. The cow is back with the herd in about half an hour or so, and they're moving around with the herd just like nothing happened. When we raised cattle, I was frequently helping to pull calves. The, the level of effort that it takes to raise bison, in my opinion, is pretty insignificant compared to any other uh, agricultural enterprise that's out there, other than building your facilities. I mean, that's everybody's going to have that no matter what they do. Where can consumers buy bison, and why should they choose bison over other meats like beef? Bison has 26% more iron than beef. Bison has 87% less fat than beef. Bison has 8% less cholesterol than chicken. And bison has 766% more vitamin B12 than chicken. And bison has less fat than chicken by 32%. And beef has 98% more calories than bison. Bison is a very, I'm going to say, heart-healthy meat. I believe the American Medical Association has given that terminology to bison that it's a heart-healthy meat, just like some of the other proteins that are out there. People that have tasted bison say that it tastes better than beef got some of the health characteristics out there that are better than beef and chicken and some of the other proteins so it's a meat that's good for you provides all the value that you need anyone can eat it as far as where consumers can buy bison meat is it typical of bison ranches to have their own setups like you or you sell meat directly to the consumer or are there other stores where people can find bison meat in wisconsin if you go on the wisconsin bison producers association website there's a listing there of all the members that are belong to our association and most of the members do sell meat on their farms so you'll have a little store there all these farms are regulated by either DADCAP or the local county health department as far as permits and rules that have to be followed for selling meat many of the producers sell at farmers markets in the state there are some uh, producers that also are in the local grocery stores so I mean the best place to go is to the Wisconsin Bison Producers website and call a producer that's nearby you and find out if they sell bison meat 
meat on their farm, and they will be more than happy to have you come out and, and purchase meat from them. What do you think the future of bison in Wisconsin looks like? There seems to be a lot of interest in some of the younger people nowadays as far as raising livestock. Bison is the good alternative, I think, because I'm going to say that there's less competition. You know, most of the bison producers in the state of Wisconsin are grass-fed operations, which a lot of the consumers are looking at now. The bison producers don't use any antibiotic or things like that as far as our growth hormones in the animals. It's a very healthy meat, and the consumer's looking for that kind of product. The future looks pretty good. It's going to be getting more people to raise the animals. I think it's going to be a slow and steady growth. We'll never reach the levels of the beef producer. In the United States, we slaughter about 100,000 beef animals per day, whereas we slaughter about 50,000 bison in a year in the, in the United States. We'll never meet that. We're a niche product, and I think that, that makes it a little bit easier to, to market your product if you're a little bit unique, and I think that's why people looking into raising livestock is uh, should be considering bison because, it's, it's like I said, it's a unique product, and competition isn't as great as it with, is with beef right now. The low maintenance, the health benefits of bison meat all point to bison being a good opportunity for individuals looking to get into agriculture to get their start, according to Pat Reese with the Wisconsin Bison Producers. Coming to you from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Nate Zimdars. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. You can't change the price of gas or groceries, but you can change the amount of your energy bill. Benjamin Plumbing is now a certified dealer of Renai tankless water heaters. The number one tankless water heater in North America. They're up to 40% more energy efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art, energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Save money with endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. You know when you've really made it? When you finally have your own place and you can decorate it the way you want. Your Aunt Betty used to sleep on that old couch. It's time to turn drab into fab with lazy luxury from Lazy Boy Furnishings and Decor. That chair, it belonged to the dog. Time to start styling. Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy. Lazy Boy Home Furnishings and Decor, Madison, East Springs Drive near East Town Mall. Hi, I'm Julie Bowen for the March of Dimes, asking you to help save premature babies. As a mother of three healthy boys, it makes me sad to think that more than a million babies around the world die every year because they're born too soon, and that our country has one of the highest rates of infant death of any developed country. Let's work together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchOfDimes.com to find out how you can make a difference in your community and around the world. Being with you makes us happy as pigs in mud. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Welcome back, everybody, on a Thursday morning. I'm Charity Seebecker, in for Farm Director Pam Yonke. 
And it is time with Stu Muck, our ag meteorologist, to join us. So, Stu, I saw a potential rain possibility coming. Will it be enough to do anything, or is it going to be just a little bit of accumulation? It's just a little bit, Charity. You know, I'm looking at reports I've seen so far. Lacrosse, we're pretty much done with it at three hundredths of an inch. The Madison area at the airport, nineteen hundredths of an inch. Fond du Lac, thirty-two hundredths of an inch. Still some heavier rain in that southeast part of Wisconsin. Oh, I'd say it looks like uh, maybe the Sheboygan area and down toward uh, Monroe, and that's going to push east very quickly today, very quickly this morning, I should say. There's a small chance that an isolated shower or storm could pop up a bit later just to the west, but a cool front is dropping southeast through Wisconsin this morning. That's the reason we have that rain. And behind that cool front is where the cooler, less humid air begins to settle in. Conditions are going to stay a little cooler and then get a little drier, at least as we make our way on through today. Temperatures will return. We expect a big warm-up for the weekend. Maybe not too quickly yet for Friday, but by Saturday and Sunday, some much warmer air builds on in. Heat is definitely going to be a part of the equation. When we talk about upper 80s and 90s, heat index is a Sunday, probably the warm day, especially in western Wisconsin, looking at lacrosse now. Could be in the mid or upper 90s, pushing toward 100. That combination of heat and humidity, the feels-like index, if you will. And beyond all of that, it does appear that smoke is going to return. In fact, there's an air quality alert for all of Wisconsin starting this morning and lasting through 6 a.m. Monday. The air quality alert just across the Mississippi and Minnesota only goes to about 11 tomorrow. We'll see if that changes, though. We expect to see smoke and because of a high-pressure system just kind of lingering overhead, not going to be a whole lot of mixing in the atmosphere. So smoke and other ozone and everything else could have a bigger effect as we make our way on toward this weekend. I'll have forecast details right after this. Compere does things differently as a farm credit cooperative, like sharing $202 million back in patronage this year with its member owners. That's more than $1 billion in patronage paid back since 2017. Talk with your local Compere team to learn more or visit compere.com backslash patronage. Compere Financial ACA is an equal credit opportunity lender and equal opportunity provider. Patronage allocations, redemptions, and payments remains at the discretion of the board of directors based on a combination of factors including the risk in portfolio, earnings, and current capital position. Copyright 2023, all rights reserved. Welcome back. It's Charity here with Ag Meteorologist Stu Muck. Stu, how about that weather forecast? All right, Charity. Well, there's still some rain in east and southeast Wisconsin, but that's going to end this morning. For most of us, there are some clouds. It will be a breezy day and sunshine going to become a little more evident. Could be brighter earlier this morning. Western Wisconsin, La Crosse and Mauston with a few more afternoon clouds. Those are about the only changes. Let's talk about some low or mid-70s. Warmest in the west and southwest winds yet this morning or west winds in the east and southeast will become more west and northwest in the day and getting a bit breezy 10 to 20 some gusts near 30 as we make our way through the afternoon overnight under clear skies i'd expect some mid or a few low 50s the northwest winds 5 to 10 sunny skies friday Upper 70s could already be 80 at Lacrosse. West winds about 5. Saturday, sunny skies, a lot of mid-80s, warmer toward the upper 80s at Lacrosse with the south winds at 5 to 15. I'd expect some 90s on Sunday then, Charity, and even Monday just holding close to 90 with a lot of sunshine and no real precipitation to talk about right on toward the end of next week. So dry and warm is how next week's going to shape up. 
Well, I like, in a sense, the nice weather so I can be outside, but I don't know if I'm going to like it quite that extreme. So with those higher temps that we're talking about, any tips to kind of handle that gradual change from a little bit cooler to the super high and almost 90s with that um, fire smoke coming through? Well, I think we all know if you have any kind of a breathing issue, you're going to have to be really cautious as we make our way on through the weekend. And if you're trying to be outside, make sure you take breaks, cool off. Water is the best to hydrate. And, you know, playing in the water, not a bad idea either. I like the sound of that. Once again, that is Stu Muck, your ag meteorologist, joining you. And stick around, and we've got more ag news coming your way in just a little bit. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. What BioVet does and where the livestock producer gets their benefit is our technology helps them with the things that they sometimes don't even know they're missing out on. Not just worrying about animals when they're sick, but trying to keep them as healthy and happy as possible as well. I'm Dr. Bill Zimmer, founder of BioVet. Microbials and nutritional support, that's BioVet. Learn more at bio-vet.com. Looking for farm or construction equipment? Look no further. Steffes has a huge Wisconsin area equipment auction closing August 24th. This is an online multi-party auction offering some of the best farm and construction equipment has to offer. Don't miss this opportunity to name your price. Check out the detailed pictures on steffesgroup.com. That's S-T-E-F-F-E-S group.com. Hurry before this opportunity passes you by. The Steffes Group built on trust since 1960. Everyone dreams of that one special day. I'm not talking about a wedding day, a push present, or a big anniversary. I'm talking about a special day made just for you. Maybe you paid off the mortgage, finished a marathon, left the dork who couldn't see you for the amazing person you are. It's different for everyone, but it's a day that needs celebrating with a custom piece to bring a Mona Lisa smile to your face. William Thomas Custom Jewelry, your inspiration, your custom jeweler. Your healthcare journey in a hospital system can give you the heebie-jeebies. From navigating the parking garage to sitting in the crowded waiting room worrying about the results and cost. MH Imaging in Middleton performs MRIs, CTs, X-rays, and ultrasounds for a fraction of the cost of a medical system. And parking is just a few steps away. Results are available the same day, providing you with answers you need to know now. Visit mhimaging.com. While you spent a lot more time around your home the last couple of years, you may have noticed a few things you'd like to have spruced up. Sign up for W.E. Davies Handyman Membership, and they'll help you stay ahead of the maintenance and repairs with a professional result. Boycott putting things off. W.E. Davies & Sons Remodeling brings a fresh perspective to your building project. We're a local family business with services from handyman fixes to living space upgrades. For stunning, transformative results... Visit wedaviesremodeling.com. You're worth so much more. Have you ever had the choice to accumulate wealth or go into debt? Let's play Would You Rather. Would you rather have $190,000 in total compensation or be $29,000 in debt? That's the choice between paying for a bachelor's degree that might not even land you a job or an apprenticeship with Liuna that will lead to job security, a pension, stability, and a lifetime of great wages. You're worth so much more. Go to liunawisconsin.org join to learn how to accumulate wealth instead of debt. 
Is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A Skincare Minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non-surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural looking results you desire. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control and priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. All right, the good, the bad, and the ugly of preseason one. I'm just going on scrolling down the list, and it's alphabetical order. And for NFC North, Chicago Bears, yeah, they come up first. You want to hear the good of the Chicago Bears? What's the good? I'm just going to read it. Okay. The good. Quarterback Justin Fields. How come? Perfect passing day. Wow. Three for three with 129 passing yards and two passing touchdowns. Wow. It's called Yak. A 62-yarder to DJ Moore than a 56-yarder to Khalil Herbert. See, Both came via screen yeah, passes. See, so I was on Twitter, and the Bears fans are like, what do you want him to do, throw his screen ahead of the line of scrimmage? I'm like, no. I'm just saying <laughs> he did his job right. But he did nothing spectacular. It was more in Herbert that got the touchdowns. Like, it's, that's not Fields. Like any any quarterback. I feel like made anyone could go out there and throw a screen pass. Exactly. But I don't like. We so now have to anoint ex- Justin Fields as exactly. the greatest quarterback in the NFC North be now because he threw about the offense. The be excited about more and Herbert running for the touchdown. Don't be excited about Fields throwing the ball ten yards horizontally. Like, I know Aaron Rodgers is no longer in the NFC North, and I was open for a quarterback to take the reins. But let's not confuse Justin Fields throwing two screen passes exactly. as the next Aaron Rodgers of the yeah, NFC exactly. North. Exactly. That's just, that's what I didn't get on Twitter. Like they're mad. Like. Oh, what do you you want him to do? 129 passing yards and two toddies for Justin Fields? Yeah. They came off of two screen passes. Exactly. He just flicked the ball to the the side of him. So that's the good for the Chicago Bears. Uh, The bad and the ugly turnovers for the Bears. 
The oh, offense man. struggled without Fields and the starters in the game. Fields was three for he did he was three for three. Committed two turnovers, interception, and a fumble lost. Well, keep in mind, Fields uh, chucks up a lot of interceptions, too. I mean, hell, it's the Chicago Bears quarterback. What do Chicago Bears quarterbacks love doing? They love throwing the ball to usually guys that wear green and gold when they play in the regular season. So that's, uh, I just, all this quote-unquote love that they have for Justin Fields, I get it, you got to be excited about something. But let's not get it twisted that he's the next Aaron Rodgers of the NFC North. All right, good, bad, the ugly for the Green Bay Packers. Here's the good, and it's also on the you know front of a quarterback as well. That would be one Jordan Love. Quarterback Jordan Love showed promise while playing with most of the Packers' starting lineup. On Green Bay's first two drives of the game, he threw 46 yards, including nine-yard tutty, obviously, to Romeo Dobbs, 7-10. Yeah, but if you're calling Coward, that pass he missed uh, to Luke Musgrave. Yeah, he, that's a layup. You he's trash. He sucks. Most of his completions were quick design passes, but head coach Matt LaFleur did allow Love to take a couple of deep shots, including a near connection with Christian Watson that would have been about 43 yards. With the exception of a couple throws, Love was on target. His final throw of the night, the touch on the Dobbs, had excellent touch and placement. As he put it, to only where Dobbs could get it. So there's your good. Jordan Love in the two series. The bad. Ooh, and this is pretty tough, Oz. Anders Carlson. Yeah, that's that's definitely the bad. The rookie sixth round kicker. Extra point misses. Mason Crosby no longer with the team. 16 seasons, right? Mason Crosby's still on a boat somewhere. Uh, kicking, you know, field goals. Reminding people that he's still out there. Carlson pushed two of his five extra points wide right, and he uh, made his only field goal attempt of the game a 45-yarder, which is nice in the fourth quarter. LaFleur said, quote, I don't want to look too far into it. Austin, in close games, what are you going to need to be doing? Extra points and field goals, right? Yeah. How many times do we see someone missing an extra point or missing like a uh, gimme field goal come and bite him in the ass afterwards? Quite a bit. Anders Carlson, he, uh, the ugly was uh, loves the the play that he didn't hit to Luke Musgrave when yeah. he broke wide open. That was like, that was the ugly uh, for the Packers preseason game. Uh, Anders Carlson, though, that, yikes. I do have audio from uh, Carlson that I want to get to because it's a, it's a little alarming. Oh, boy. How much he has missed. He has not been good in practice. He's not been good in the preseason, uh, the game number one. I don't know how in the hell you're missing those uh, extra points. He does talk about, though, uh, do you try not to freak out with your concern over it? Here you go. Yeah, it's it's taking day by day, right? Learning lessons and, and growing. You're either winning or you're learning. That's how I take it. So, um, you know, I've, I've, yeah, I've had days that I like and days that I don't like. Here's a crew perfectly comfortable using Baylor twine as a belt. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Welcome back. I'm Charity Seebecker. Happy to be with you on this Thursday morning. Pam has an update on the outdoors and hunting from the Department of Natural Resources. Take it away, Pam. Long time no see, and that is the story with my guest this morning. Bob Knack is one of the big game specialists at the Department of Natural Resources. He's a fellow that oversees a lot of the hunting programs that uh, take people into the outdoors, and we thought we'd catch up a little bit. Been a little while. You know, the last time you and I had a chance to talk was not uh, face-to-face, but instead probably vicariously through a Zoom. Tell us a little bit more, recap for us, Bob, a little bit on the hunting dynamics or you know, interactive dynamics. You guys saw at DNR with the general public during or right after the pandemic. Are you like what we saw in agritourism and many other areas? People just seem to 
jump at any opportunity to be outdoors. Yeah, sure, Pam. Thanks for having me. Great to see you. Um, yeah, I can explain a little bit of our observations during the pandemic. Of course, people were looking for things to do since many of the activities they're involved with were canceled. And and um, we certainly saw increases in license purchases for hunting, uh, fishing, and a lot of our outdoor activities. Of course, I know there was, I think, record sales in RVs as well, where people were just trying to get out of the house and distance themselves from others. So Um, which was great. I mean, if you're in the outdoors and you lead an outdoor lifestyle, that's what you want to see. And so that is a a good thing that came out of it. However, um, like many, many situations, you know, life returned to normal a little bit too. And so that, that increase we saw in license sales and equipment purchases uh, came back to normal a little bit more. And so, um, yeah, so we're, you know, we're providing programs and opportunities for people that, maybe took that initiative during the the pandemic to continue doing it here into the future. Yeah, reigniting, if we will, that passion that you saw. Now, there's a real tangible economic reason why we need to keep that lifeblood of interest in the outdoors and engagement in outdoor hunting, fishing, etc. Explain a little bit about how you guys evaluate that too, Bob. Yeah, well, I mean, you think of the the enjoyment that you have as an individual when you're out participating and the the good times you get to share with family and friends when you're doing those activities. However, you know, it's a a big economic uh, boom to our state and to local communities when you're out doing that stuff. And you can think of not only the license purchases, but equipment and the, the gas that you put in your vehicle and if you're traveling, the the uh, the food that you're purchasing, uh, you know, maybe at local restaurants, and so it's a huge uh, economic uh, support system for our state that uh, is really important. Well, we have seen people still very interested in traveling, very interested in, uh, like you said, going someplace. And you offer the outdoors of Wisconsin as one of those great options if you just slow down and think about it. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the activities that at least our program focuses on is hunting, fishing, trapping, and shooting sports. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you were competing with people's time for all the youth sports and activities that are available. And I have young kids myself, so I can totally relate. However, um, you know, each of those activities provides a great opportunity to uh, spend some real high-quality time with your family and your friends outside. And, uh, you know, oftentimes, um, yeah, it's fun to go hunting and to be sitting in a tree stand or, or uh, you know, pursuing rabbits or whatever you're doing, but it's often the memories that you're making with the people you're doing it with that is really important. And so uh, that's a great, great opportunity for that. It's also a great opportunity for adventure. And if you're uh, sick of the digital world and technology and want to get away for a while, you can go create your own adventure. And, and Wisconsin is great for that. We have a lot of state parks and, and places to, to visit in our state where you can find hunting or fishing right nearby. And uh, in some cases, depending on how adventuresome you are, you could, you know, if you're camping, you could cook your mm-hmm. cook your game or your fish over the open fire and enjoy a meal together, too. So lots of great opportunities out there. Well, and I know there's a lot of parents. You mentioned the digital age. There's a lot of parents that struggle just trying to get their kids off of digital uh, to experience minus that. And like you said, if, if it's... Uh, all for one, well, you might have to leave your digits digital back in the truck too, but it really can change the dynamics of your family pretty quickly. Yeah, you know, we get you get in such a routine, and again, I'll use my fa- yeah, family as too. an example. Work, 
get the kids where they need to go. Um, you get into such a routine, yeah. and it's just nice to change things up a little bit. So tell me a little bit about some of the resources. We always pivot people towards uh, gowild.wi.gov. Gowild.wi.gov. What should they be looking for when they get there, Bob? Yeah, if you're thinking about you know pursuing a, something new or different in the outdoors, um, you can you can go to the DNR events calendar, and we provide um, we and partners provide a lot of different programs. You know, learn to hunt type programs, learn to fish type programs, um, and so in in all of those programs aren't possible without the support of of partners around the state, volunteers that are dedicated that want to teach others to do something that they really enjoy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, like we said, don't uh, don't put the blinders on on what your family might enjoy. And like you said, maybe you turn it into almost a neighborhood thing or, you know, and and because of the flexibility that uh, a lot of these programs offer, you don't have to wait for one week out of the year for everybody to get involved. Yeah. If there's something you're interested in, or, you know, our learn to hunt program, for example, um, by law allows us to provide some of those opportunities outside of a regular hunting season. So uh, there's certainly that option and that works well for volunteers that like to hunt themselves. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of different resources out there for people that are interested in giving something new a try. And, and honestly um, there's a, you know, Wisconsin's a great state, uh, very strong hunting heritage. And there are a lot of volunteers out there that are willing to share sure. their knowledge and information and and the dnr we can help connect you with them i was just going to say how are you guys doing on staffing um well it actually uh getting up to be fully staffed at least in, in my program now mm-hmm. and, and i was just talking with my my team the other day i felt like we're really in a groove in a good groove good. and people are really functioning at a high level so it's it's nice to have that. Yeah. I'm glad I'm catching him with everything clicking. That's Bob Knack in studio with us. He's one of the big game specialists that oversees a lot of the hunting activities that you're enjoying across the state of Wisconsin. Like you said, hunting, fishing, trapping, those are all opportunities for you. And because of some of those mentor programs, some of the uh, other opportunities out there, you don't have to wait for that one week in a calendar year to express your interest in Wisconsin's great outdoors. Look beyond. Best way to start? is GoWildWI.gov. GoWildWI.gov, the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources website. Bob Knack in studio with us. I'm Pam Yonke. Here's an idea. How about saying thank you with a Bavaria Sausage gift card? Fabulous farm babe Pam Yonke here for Judy and the crew at Bavaria Sausage. Open Monday through Friday, 9 until 5, corner of Nevsbit Road, Fitchroder Road in Fitchburg. Online, open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. BavariaSausage.com. Seriously, stop and think about those people in your life that you'd just like to say thank you. Maybe it's a brand new neighbor you want to welcome them to Wisconsin. Maybe it's a caregiver. How about maybe that realtor that helped you get your new forever home or the movers that helped you get into the new forever home? You understand what I mean. And remember, with a Bavaria Sausage gift card, literally you can thank people across state lines around the world, and they'll all appreciate and enjoy that real, authentic German old world flavor that you're only going to find at Bavaria Sausage. So say thank you today with a Bavaria Sausage gift card, BavariaSausage.com. Welcome back. I'm Charity Seebecker. Happy to be with you on this Thursday morning. As we approach the new crop corn harvest, stored corn supply from last year gets tighter, and farmers may be holding on to it until they see the right price. 
This is the environment that ethanol producers are navigating through as they work to keep their plants stocked with corn. Howard Bopart is the grain merchandiser for Marquee Energy out of Nasita. He tells Midwest Farm Report that last year's crop was good enough where corn supply won't be an issue for this year. However, it's next year that has him concerned. He says the average guess is two-thirds to three-quarters of normal. Now let's take a look at our market. From Chicago, cash corn is trading at $4.67. That's down two and a half cents. December new crop corn is trading at $4.79 and a quarter. That's down two and a quarter cents. Cash beans are trading at $13.41 and three quarters, up seven cents. And November new crop beans are trading at $13.29, up five and a half cents. September 23 wheat is trading at $5.92 and a half. That's down five and a quarter cents. And on the dairy side of things, September Class A milk contract is trading at $17.89, down two cents. And October milk is trading at $17.50, down five cents. Barrel cheese closed yesterday at $183 and a half, down one and a half cents. 40-pound block cheese closed at 201 and three quarters, up a quarter. And the double-A butter closed up five and three quarters at 275. Coming up, we have Ever Ag broker Kathleen Wolfley joining us live to kick you off on this Thursday morning. Be sure to stick around with me as we'll be right back. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Wisconsin Farm Bureau leadership opportunities have benefited me in multiple ways. Right now, I'm a member of the Farm Bureau Leadership Institute, and I always thought I was a good public speaker. And then we went through some of that training in our very first session, and I had these aha moments that I'm going to use when I am promoting agriculture to consumer groups. WFBF.com. You should reach out to them. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture. Wisconsin Farm Bureau. It's Preston from Window World, and although I'd love to talk your ear off about windows, today's all about doors. Your front door can say a lot about you. Window World specializes in turning a bland entrance into a grand entrance. We have top quality products, a variety of paint and stain options, and certified factory trained installers. It's a no-brainer. Visit us at windowworldmadison.com. Have you ever had an MRI through the hospital where you're crunched inside a scary tube-like tunnel? MH Imaging in Middleton provides the spacious comfort of a completely open design MRI, the most updated concept in MRIs. It's an open MRI, open for everyone, regardless of insurance or doctor affiliation, for a fraction of the cost of a medical system. And the results are available the same day, providing you with answers you need to know now. Visit MHImaging.com. At Berkshire Automotive, we have a non-commissioned sales team, which is a polite way to say we don't really care whether you buy a practical Equinox, the rugged Silverado, or the speedy new Corvette. You've been told no before? Join the Berkshire Automotive family for the yes. At Berkshire Automotive, we teach our people to take no out of the vocabulary. Is no in your vocabulary? Uh, no. No isn't a thing at Berkshire Automotive. Join the Berkshire Automotive family for the yes. Join the Here's a crew perfectly comfortable using Baylor twine as a belt. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Welcome back. I'm Charity Sievecker, rounding out the farm show for you this Thursday morning. Agriculture broker Kathleen Wolfley with EverAg is joining us. Kathleen, how is milk looking? It's still pretty tight, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it's mid-August, right? We would expect things to be a bit tighter this time in the year. And I think to your point, it has been quite a bit tighter, especially in places like the Midwest over the course of the last couple of weeks. And uh, I think adding to that is that the school milk pipeline is starting to fill up. It's kind of crazy to think that in the next four to six weeks, kids in the upper Midwest are going to be heading back to school. Western cheesemakers, though, have been talking that it's they're still taking in enough spot milk to be able to keep somewhat steady production schedules. Is that correct? Yeah, I'd say so, though we have seen quite a bit of a change in the spot milk prices, particularly in the Midwest, over the course of the last couple of weeks. In fact, last week, USDA reported that the average spot milk number that they were they were hearing was uh, an average of a dollar per hundred weight over class. That's, like I said, a huge swing from where we were just a couple of weeks ago. And honestly, looking back, it's the biggest premium to class going back to October 2020. So compared to where we were the first half of 2023, to go from, say, 6 to $8 under class for spot milk, today we're sitting at a dollar over class for that spot milk. At this point, it's hard to know what the, what the direct impact is. Usually I look at the spot milk numbers as potentially a leading indicator of where milk production is sitting or just overall supply and demand dynamics are sitting today. And I think that the cheese market Verting with $2 per pound for block cheddar is a good indication of perhaps why we've seen those spot, spot milk numbers get a little bit tighter. Not only have we seen milk availability tighten up just over because of seasonality, because it's August and it's been hot this summer, those fluid milk pipelines are starting to fill back up. Uh, but I think that just generally there's been fairly good demand from the cheesemakers to make more cheese. Um, as they've they've been trying to refill their pipelines of fresh product. Well, that was block cheese kind of you're talking about, but what about barrel cheese or even butter? What are those prices or transition looking like? Yeah, that's a great question. So on the as I noted, the block cheddar market's been sitting around two dollars per pound. The barrel market's been sitting a little bit less than that, uh, trading around a dollar eighty. And the butter market, we've seen a, a Fairly steady little climb higher here in the last couple of weeks. We're sitting just south of 270 per pound in the butter market. So do you think these high cheese prices are going to last or what do you see happening moving forward? My bias is that it might be tough for these higher cheese price levels to hold. Clearly the supply dynamics are snug. We've we've talked to, we could talk about that until we're blue, blue in the face, right? But when we think about the demand side of the equation, I'm just not sure that there's been meaningful enough and long-term change on the demand side to keep these prices supportive. Exports, I think, are a great example here. Low price, the low prices that we saw back in May-June timeframe, I think really helped U.S. exporters to make some big sales into the export market for early second half deliveries. Today, with near $2 block prices, $1.80-ish barrel prices and futures back in that $1.90 per pound range, we're back in uncompetitive territory versus our big international competitors, particularly Europe. So it might be tough for exporters to continue a pretty uh, healthy pace of exports, particularly as we look into the fourth quarter of 2023. How closely are you watching the GDT report? I mean, I think as we look at at what's going on in New Zealand, um, it's a major concern. We saw last week 
Fonterra came out and said, "Hey, we're going to make we're going to have more homo powder, more skimo powder available in the GDT market." The expectations around New Zealand milk production are fairly healthy as as they commence their their production season. Their peak is in mid October, so there's still a little bit of time before we have a really good sense of where their production is sitting. But I think the big thing that we're going to be watching here in the next couple of months is what's happening in China, particularly given a lot of the weaker tones uh, around their overall economy. What questions are you currently getting from farmers? Oh, big questions, I think, are how does this thing shake out over the course of the next couple of months? Um, clearly, we've seen markets, particularly on the class three side, rally uh, fairly strongly in the, la- in the last couple of weeks. Um, that's built in quite a bit of a slope of hope into the marketplace. And, and I think a lot of producers are sitting back to today and saying, okay, $2 cheese, that, that pencil's a lot better than $1.30 cheese from a couple weeks ago. Um, so I think a lot of folks are, are sitting back and just wondering how far we can see uh, milk prices or high, how high we can see milk prices go over the course of the next couple months. But as I noted before, my suspicion is that or my bias is that we may not hold at these higher levels, just given uh, persisting concerns around demand. What other key topics or things are you currently watching when it comes to the dairy markets? I'm keeping a pretty close eye on um, on the butter market. I know we talked a little bit about what's happening uh, in terms of spot prices, but the butter market remains very elevated relative to the, the historical norms. Um, 270-ish butter prices in the middle of August, just that's not typical pricing. Um, so I'll be curious to see how the butter market shakes out in the next couple months. I think that there might uh, be continued su- support as we get into the holiday season, just as uh, folks, at least on the buy side, are looking at 270 butter prices as um, being a bit cheaper than it was at $3 plus last year. Um, but if we do see a, a drop off in that butter value, it could weigh on class four prices, particularly given that we're sitting today with nonfat prices under quite a bit of pressure. So the butter market could have a pretty big swing effect um, in in both the class four market as well as knock on effects in the class three market if we see prices fall apart into year end. That was agriculture broker Kathleen Wolfley with EverEgg. Thanks for joining me on this Thursday morning, Kathleen. Yeah, thanks for having me. Once again, that was agriculture broker Kathleen Wolfley with EverEgg. Thanks, everybody, for sticking around with me on this Thursday morning. I'll be heading to the Juneau County Fair in Boston today, so if you happen to be out there or around that area, stop by and say hi. Have a great day, everybody. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. What